3: New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today since President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions targeted Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors, all key to the country's already struggling economy. The bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia. We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border.
2: The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican. The news out of Pittsburgh, a man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading
1: not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial, which means he's facing a 44 counts. So,
2: In the final seconds before the Boeing 737 MAX crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed.
3: You've now entered the House of Mystery.
2: Crime, conspiracy, history, and science.
3: With your hosts, Al Warren, Mike Brown,
2: Julie Sav, Michael Butterfield,
3: Dr. Joseph Usinski, and Michael Hawley.
2: Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles,
3: 102.3 FM Riverside,
2: and one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs.
0: I, I first became interested in this. Uh, I'm, I'm old enough to have been up in London on the, July the 20th, 1969, when they landed at 3.30 in the morning in London. And I was up, I was watching the television, those funny little black and white pictures and people jumping around. I looked out the window and waved at the moon. I do not suppose they could see me, but I thought I'd wave anyway. And for, for, for 25 years after that, I I, I believed. I believed what I've been told. I had no reason not to believe what I've been told, that man had landed on the moon and returned safely to the earth. Nearly 50 years later, I don't have that view anymore. Man has not landed on the moon, and as a result, he didn't need to return safely to the earth because he never left it. But we'll come to that in a minute, maybe. What started the whole process was, um, it was actually an American who was giving a a lecture, a mission to In 1992, he was talking about something completely different, but he happened to mention, almost in passing, oh, those moon landing pictures, you know, uh, they weren't taken on the moon. They're all fabricated here on Earth. I thought, what is he talking about? Complete nonsense. It's obviously been affected by something in America. I'll I'll check it out. Now, I'd I'd attended photographic college. I was trained as a photographer uh, in London because it was a, a very... Uh, interesting profession, being a photographer in London in the 1960s. I was trained technically, uh, how to develop film, how to use film, how to use studios, how to use cameras. I knew about film. I thought, well, I'll check out these pictures he's talking about. So I thought, well, where do I find them? Now this is the early 1990s. We didn't have the internet in those days. So I had to go to an astronomy show to buy a set of photographs of the Apollo moon landings, which I did. And I started looking at them. And I thought, yeah, I can see what he means. He's saying that they don't appear to have been taken under the conditions we're told exist on the moon. They appear to have been taken under conditions which would be a studio set up or a controlled environment here on Earth. Yeah, I can see Uh what he's talking about. And the more I looked at them and the more I started examining uh, how they were taken, they were using Hasselblad cameras, which are very, very good cameras. You can go out today and buy one. I'd used a Hasselblad camera. I know they're quite difficult to use. They're excellent. They have excellent lenses, so they produce very, very good pictures. I thought, well, if it's such a good camera, how did they use it to get such good pictures? And then I found that they didn't have a viewfinder in the camera. Uh, that's, that's not a major problem, because you can take quite good photographs without a viewfinder. But you have to take lots and lots of pictures to make sure you get them pointing in the generally the right direction. And I also understood about bracketing, which is which is taking the same picture of different exposures to make sure you get the correct exposure. <clears throat> that hadn't been done. So the more I examined it, the more I realized that there were major problems here. And that then led me to start looking at to <clears throat> looking into the the other aspects of Apollo. The rockets, were they powerful enough to do what we were told they did? And how did they get back? this re-entry, we're told, occurred at 25,000 miles an hour as you hit the atmosphere. Was Was the heat shield strong enough to protect them? They started getting into the technicalities of the Apollo program. And the more I looked at it, the more it became evident that not everything was as it seemed. There appeared to be a major problem with getting men to the moon and the major problem is basically the radiation which we know exists around Earth Yes, Van Van Allen Allen. Yeah, uh, the Van Allen belts Van Allen radiation belts anybody can check these out, they exist they've been known to exist for many years they probably existed ever since the planet was first created four and a half billion years ago because they are created by the Earth's magnetic field and they protect the Earth from the solar particle events generated by the Sun and the galactic cosmic rays generated in deep space, which we know exist. There's no, there's, there's no two ways about it. And one of the problems is protecting humans. Now, on Earth we are protected not only by the Van Allen belts, but by the atmosphere surrounding the Earth. <clears throat> there's about 60 miles of atmosphere above our head. That's why atmospheric pressure is 14.7 pounds per square inch. That is the weight of the air above your head. Now, if you take that away, when you travel above the atmosphere, you get to the vacuum of space where there is no pressure. And if you didn't have your own spacesuit with you, you'd soon die because the gases dissolved in your blood would expand and uh, you'd go pop, which wouldn't be much fun. So you have to take your own spacesuit with you. Now, this spacesuit, they obviously work quite well. They're used on the International Space Station, and they were used by Apollo astronauts to go travel to the moon. And now, they obviously protected them from the radiation that they had to pass through. It takes about two hours to pass through the radiation belts. So I thought, well, if these spacesuits are so good, and they've protected the astronauts from the radiation in space, surely those same spacesuits could be used by technicians to go to Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, or now Fukushima, and clear up the mess, because radiation is radiation. Gamma rays and X-rays. So I contacted the manufacturers of the spacesuits, a company called Hamilton Standard in Connecticut, and said, could these same spacesuits be used to clear up nuclear reactors? And they said no. And I said, why? I said, well, there's no radiation protection built into them. You better direct what?
1: your.
0: There's no radiation protection built into the suits. You better okay. direct your inquiry to NASA. We built the space suits according to the specification that they supplied. So I wrote to NASA and said, could they be used? And I'm still waiting for the reply. So the question arises: How were the astronauts protected from the radiation? And more importantly, how was the photographic film protected from the radiation? Because you, some of your older listeners may well recall years ago when you parked through, passed through airport security, <coughs> following the DB Cooper case of 1971, he introduced um, X-ray machines to make sure that he wasn't carrying bombs in his briefcase, which DB Cooper was. <coughs> the X-ray machines were a bit unsophisticated and they were quite powerful and if you were carrying photographic film this is not digital by the way to anybody who's only familiar with digital this may sound rather prehistoric but it's (laughs) actually correct photographic film is affected by radiation it uh, it causes a fogging effect i.e. a lowering of contrast in the film so you always advised if you had photographic film to get it hand-searched, rather than passing it through the X-ray machine. So I thought, well, in space there are X-rays. So why isn't the photographic film affected by it? Because the films, or the pictures one was looking at, or I was looking at, all appeared to be totally unaffected by any radiation damage. There was no radiation damage that I could find on any of the pictures I saw. At the time, there were only a few pictures I could locate, but now I've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of the Apollo photographs, because they're all on, available on the internet. So that was a mystery which I still haven't solved. How does, How is the photographic film protected from radiation damage when on the lunar surface, where, we're t- where NASA tells us the pictures were taken? I claim they were not taken on the lunar surface, they were all taken during the training and simulation exercises carried out quite openly here on Earth. Nothing to do with Area 51, that's a bit of a sideshow. Side there were plenty of uh, sets which were built to simulate what, any, what everybody thought the Moon's surface would look like. And these were quite open. There was same secret about them. And astronauts would carry out uh, real-time simulations. If it was an eight-day mission, which Apollo 11 was. It would be an eight-day simulation so that everybody knew what to expect. So if it's an eight-day simulation, they were all filmed, they were all photographed. There's no secret about that. So were these films and photographs that were taken during the simulation exercises what were presented to us all as evidence for the alleged landing on the lunar surface? I claim they were. If somebody can prove me wrong, please do so. But nobody in 20 years has managed it maybe one of your listeners will be able
3: to now you also mentioned uh, reflection uh, of the moon and the lighting um and being a photographer uh, maybe explain what you mean by that and the albedo
0: okay uh, albedo means reflectivity the amount of light reflected off any surface as a percentage of the amount of light falling onto the surface because all right um a mirror would reflect, let's say, 100% of the light re- falling onto it. Black velvet would reflect about 1%. It depends on the material onto which the light is falling. The amount will determine the amount of light reflected from that material. Now, uh, the lunar surface is, obviously you can see it at night. You see it during the day sometimes as well, if you know where to look. That is reflecting sunlight, the amount of light that falls onto the lunar surface is a hundred percent. The amount of light reflected from the lunar surface is seven percent. So a relatively small amount, which is why you can you can look at the moon, the full moon at night, you can look at it quite comfortably. You can look at it through a telescope quite comfortably. Because the amount of light reflected off the lunar surface is relatively small. You can't look at the Sun, for instance, through a telescope unless you want to go blind it will damage your eyes and you have to use filters to take photographs of it the moon reflects 7% of the amount of light falling onto it now that is the same amount of light as would be reflected off a road surface off off, uh, a sidewalk the amount of light reflected off tarmac is 7% or thereabouts of the amount of light hitting it Now, in photography, you're using light all the time. If the subject where you're trying to photograph does not have sufficient light on it for the film to record it, and this is the important point, the amount of film, it's called the speed of the film, the ISO, International Standard Organization. It's a way of standardizing the sensitivity of any photographic film. You have fast films, you have slow films, you have all different types of film. Your F stops. Yes, the the, the the ASA, American Standards Association, ISO International Standards Organization. They all they all come up with, with particular ways of determining in this case the sensitivity of photographic film. And the the film that was used on the lunar surface was Kodak Ektachrome film, Now for those not familiar with Kodak Ektachrome, it's a transparency material, otherwise known as a reversal film. So you can you can stick it in a projector and you can project that image onto a screen and look at it. It's the same way that films are projected. So if you've got a photographic film with a relatively fast speed, uh, Kodak Ektachrome film is rated at 160. ASA, which is a medium-fast film. <clears throat> it's quite a sensible film to use. Now, the problem with film is that unless you have sufficient light falling onto the film through the camera lens, it will not record an image because it, is, it cannot do so. So you, you, you open up the aperture, let's say, or you let more light through the lens onto the film or you decrease the shutter speed so it takes longer to open the shutter, there you go from 125th of a second to a 60th of a second or a 30th of a second, you can adjust the amount of light falling onto the film. But on the lunar surface, you've got a very strange situation. The lunar surface is illuminated by the sun. It's the only source of illumination. And yet in several of the pictures I was looking at, it appeared that there was illumination onto the object, in this case the astronaut. Uh, we we'll take one quite well-known example, of an astronaut climbing down the ladder of the lunar lander. He's in the shadow of the lander, because you can see where the sun is, it's behind the lander. But he is appearing in quite well-illuminated condition. So where did that light come from? Because there was no... No flash guns were carried, no reflectors were carried. Ah, people will say, it's the reflection of the lunar surface. Well, any photographer will tell you, you do not use a road surface as a reflector. It doesn't reflect enough light into the subject, especially if the subject is vertical to the reflector, in this case the surface of the moon. So that that was the first key point, that there was something seriously wrong with the, with the photographs. They appear to have been professionally produced, and the only place you can professionally produce photographs is here on Earth. And that's where I claim the photographs were actually taken, here on Earth,
3: not on the lunar surface. Well, well Marcus, can, can I pause you right there for just a moment? Um, let's, let's rewind just a little bit. I mean, Using telescopes and everything, we kind of understood what we would be facing on the lunar surface. Um, I've I've got to kind of... I'm thinking that maybe they anticipated some of this and took the proper equipment with them. For example, you, you just asked, and I'm a mere novice at photography... I'm, and I would anticipate the need for light, so I would take Flash or I would take some type of a lighting source with me.
0: That, that's a very logical conclusion.
3: Yes, they were uh,
0: NASA were totally familiar with what they could expect to find on the lunar surface because they'd sent unmanned satellites up to photograph it and to film it and to look at it. So they knew what to expect, but they didn't take any additional lighting equipment with them. Why would they not? That's a good question. I don't know why they didn't. There are certainly images that have been produced by NASA on Apollo 11 specifically <clears throat> where trained scientists have looked at the photographs and have calculated the actual position of the, the flash gun which illuminated it because you can tell by the highlights of light which appear on the astronaut's heel on his, on his, on his boot there's a highlight of light on one of Buzz Aldrin's heels. You <coughs> can calculate the light path that the light took to reach and to produce it, because a curved surface will produce a highlight of light. But they didn't carry any. I've, I've read all the press releases, I've read all the uh, information about all the Apollo missions, and in not one of them is it ever mentioned that an additional lighting source is carried. They had torches which they used inside the spacecraft, and one of those was sold recently for about $10,000. I don't think it works anymore, but it's a nice piece of uh, memorabilia. But there were no electronic flash guns. There were no portable reflectors other than the astronauts themselves. They wore basically a white spacesuit. But the point about that is, yes, that will reflect light, but not sufficient, not a sufficient amount of light to produce the illustrations that we saw where it is claimed, this company that produced a rather uh, strange video claiming that they had proven that Armstrong's spacesuit was sufficient to reflect enough light to produce the appearance of a reflector. That's rubbish because they, they got all the wrong figures. They, they used the wrong percentage of light reflected off those materials, which you can calculate quite easily. It was yet another attempt to try to dissuade people from
3: believing that nobody has landed on the moon. Ah. Uh, well, now, inevitably, you're going to get the question. Um, so let, let me just kind of, you know, head them off at the pass. What about the evidence that they brought back with them? Such as samples, moon rocks, um, you know, air samples. You know, you spoke of radiation. I'm sure that they 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 took readings. Um, What about the physical evidence that they brought back with them? We're told they brought back through was it
0: how many key hundreds of kilos, 340 kilos of moon rock over the six missions that landed, because one of them didn't. Apollo 13 didn't land, so. Yeah, 340 kilos of moon rock. Have you seen any recently?
3: Well, it's not like I have a, a keychain or anything. I went to I went to the moon and all I brought back was this lousy t-shirt But
0: yeah oh, this dusty lumber rock, I know. Well, <laughs> uh,
3: here,
0: here in London we have, we have the famous Science Museum which I've been to and in the Science Museum there is a, a, an, an exhibition of uh, space travel, at least when I went there, which was a few years back, and they show the Apollo 10 lunar lander, which was never actually used for the landing, it was used for the the Apollo 10 command module. Um, And alongside it, there is a display case with moon rock written on it. And there's a tiny little sliver of something which, because the science museum says moon rock, well, it must be. And if you go to any museum in uh, throughout the United States, in, there are museums which will display moon rock. Yes, they've lost it, which a lot of them have. Uh oh. And there was a, a, a famous case um, a few years back of um, the Dutch moon rock. I'm sure that anybody familiar with the story will be aware of what I'm about to say now. Is that um, it was. Displayed in the Rijksmuseum, which is the National Museum of Holland in Amsterdam. It's definitely worth a visit. It's where the Van Gogh paintings are and the Rembrandt paintings. And the most famous one of all is Night Watch by Rembrandt, which is a Dutch national treasure. It never leaves the country. And in that museum there's a display of Moonrock. A few years ago the Rijksmuseum was undergoing renovations, so they had to remove some of these displays, and one of them Displays that was um, removed was the moon rock. So geologists in Holland decided to take the opportunity to examine this moon rock. It was petrified wood. No way. It was petrified wood, and if you want to check it out, just put "touch moon rock" into Google. You'll get the pictures of it. It's a thing about two or three inches across, black. It's it's hard to say it's it's petrified wood, but it was displayed as a piece of moon rock presented to the Dutch Prime Minister in 1969 by Armstrong, Aldrin and Collins. So one would tend to believe that this was a piece of rock brought back from the moon. It wasn't. There's no petrified wood on the moon. Either somebody nicked it, someone nicked it and decided that they would put it on eBay because they'd get more money that way, or it was just fake in the first place. It was not a piece of moon rock. It was a piece of petrified wood. There is genuine moon rock here on Earth. It was recovered by the Russians. With an unmanned craft, Lunar Cod 1 and Lunar Cod 2. Unmanned craft, and the Russians, believe it or not, were able to land a craft on the moon, grab a few grams, 300 grams in total, Of lunar soil, that that regolith we hear about, the the sort of dusty stuff on the surface. And they returned that to Earth because the Russians were remarkably able to to remotely control uh, landers and spacecraft coming back to Earth. They had a lot of practice at it.
3: Absolutely. there
0: There is genuine moon rock here on Earth. Now when the Russians landed with their few hundred grams, it's about uh, 300 grams is um, a little short of one pound weight, so there's not a great deal compared to the Americans about 800 pounds so you've got an imbalance here, now the Russians contrary to what one may be reading about them now, I, I don't believe a word of it are quite generous when they come to share their scientific achievement and they were quite willing to exchange with NASA Samples of the NASA moon rock, which they had allegedly recovered, <coughs> and exchange it with the Russian samples. Would you believe NASA refused? They said, no, we will not do this. It took a lot of pressure, fairly high political level pressure, to get NASA, about two years later, to agree to exchange a few grams sample of their moon rock. It's almost as if they had something to hide. Apollo 13 was launched on April the 11th 1970 and we're told that uh, it was halfway to the moon and an oxygen tank exploded and they had to get back to Earth jury rigging up their uh, oxygen and uh, carbon dioxide scrubbers so that they could survive for the journey back and they got back and they their big heroes and everything it was hunky-dory and Tom Hanks made a wonderful film about it That's the story of Apollo 13. That's the official story of Apollo 13. But how many people are familiar with the fact that on April the 12th, which is one day after the launch of the Saturn V rocket carrying the three Apollo 13 astronauts, on April the 12th, a Russian submarine in the Bay of Biscay recovered an Apollo Command capsule which had fallen from the sky, according to the report. This is an Apollo Command capsule. It was then transferred to a fishing boat because the submarine couldn't really get it inside the the submarine. The Russian submarine is a K-8, a November-class submarine. The Apollo Command module was taken by this Russian fishing boat, which is in, in effect a spy ship, Remember the Pueblo? That's the American version of the same thing. a spy ship. Okay the Russian fishing boat eventually reaches Murmansk, which is in northern Russia, next to Norway. On September the 4th, 1970, an American Coast Guard vessel, the South Wind, arrives at Murmansk on a goodwill mission which is strange because it's the first American Coast Guard vessel ever to reach Murmansk on any sort of mission, goodwill or otherwise. The command module, the Apollo command module, was handed over by the Russians to be loaded onto the South Wind, the US Coast Guard ship, which quite coincidentally had had its gun removed. Normally, a Coast Guard cutter will have a 4-inch, 5-inch um, gun on its, on its front deck. In order to accommodate the command module and its return to the United States, the...
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
3: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Gun had been removed a few months prior to this particular mission. The command module was returned to America and it's now exhibited as the Apollo 13 command module in a museum I think in Kansas it's a story that is not generally very well known but it was announced and it was reported in uh, I think the American forces paper is called Stars and Stripes it was reported in that in 1970 but it's a story that is generally not known If the day after the official launch of Apollo 13, an American command, an Apollo command module, can be removed from the Atlantic Ocean by a Russian submarine, have we been told the real story of Apollo 13? It appears not. It appears that there is much more to this story than we have been led to believe, and it requires a great deal more investigation. Anybody wanting to look at this information in detail, uh, the Aulis website carries a couple of very interesting articles from the Russian perspective. I, not an American story, this is a Russian story. Recounting the research a couple of Russian investigators have done into finding out what actually happened mm-hmm. in this strange event in 1970. The height of the Cold War, don't forget.
3: The height of the space race. Why didn't the Russians blow the whistle on this early on?
0: Good question. So that's the question that I'm
3: normally asked
0: when I when I put these uh, events, when I do public presentations on this. Why didn't the Russians blow the whistle? Why would they blow the whistle? Now, we have to go back a little bit here to uh, Yuri Gagarin and his famous circling of the Earth. The the first man to orbit the Earth, Yuri Gagarin. Um, prior to that happening, there had been obviously several attempts. You, you don't just do it the first time out. You practice. The Russians were practicing. There were two Italian brothers. actually one of them still alive, um, who set out because they could hear the Russian spacecraft when they passed over Italy on their way orbiting the Earth, they were launched from Baikonur, which is in Kazakhstan they would pass over Italy on the way on their orbits and they could hear them, they were keen ham radio operators and they were listening in, anyway, long story short the Russians heard many
3: accounts
0: of cosmonauts who were in serious trouble in their spacecraft
3: yes, I've, I've heard some of that there
0: was a, a major article about this this whole event in Reader's Digest back in the early 1960s because it was it was no secret that these um, Italian brothers were listening into it and they, they even got their sister to learn Russian so she could understand what it was they were saying. Uh, the point of the story is that it would have appeared there were many unfortunate events, in the Russian space program where cosmonauts could not return from orbit because their retro rockets, which is how the Russians return either didn't work or didn't work sufficiently well to be able to slow the craft down to be able to land there was one story of uh, the craft burning up obviously the uh, re-entry which is a very dangerous procedure maybe we can come on to a little bit of that later the re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere causes extreme heat on the spacecraft and the transmission appeared to indicate that the cosmonaut was dying through heat so this was known about so the Russians didn't blow the whistle on the Americans because they knew perfectly well that if they did the Americans would just go and blow the whistle on the Russians and say look you know you didn't do half the things you said you were going to do if the Russians have said it, but an even more important point, and possibly the real reason why the Russians didn't blow the whistle, (coughs) was because they didn't need to. They knew perfectly well that much of the Apollo program was faked, because they were aware of the dangers themselves. They were trying to land on the moon as well. And at the time of Apollo 11, there was a launch by the Russians of another lunar craft, unmanned craft, that was going to try to land on the moon before the, before the Americans did. Yes, there was a, a, a space race, but the Russians were not stupid enough to try to launch somebody into almost certain death from radiation. Because when they were asked, why when are you going to land a man on the moon, they were asked this quite upfront by Bernard Lovell who was the head of the Geodra Bank radio telescope in England who was helping the Russians track their craft because the Russians didn't have the deep space network that that NASA did Bernard Lovell asked the Russians when are you going to try to land a man on the moon and their answer was very straightforward when we can ensure his safe return due to the dangers of radiation that's what the Russians said they knew the dangers of radiation they knew that it was virtually impossible to get through it Now, happening at the same time as Apollo 11 was something even more important for Russia. Russia is a relatively small economy, even today, it's about the size of Italy, but it has one major export, and that is natural gas. The gas has to be transported from Siberia, where it occurs, into Europe. 30% of European gas consumption comes from Russia. In 1968, Russia signed the first contracts to supply natural gas into Western Europe. I should say, not the Russians, the Soviet Union at the time. In September 1968, they were negotiating with Hungary, Italy and Austria for the supply of natural gas into Western Europe from the Soviet Union. Because so much depended on the supply of natural gas, i.e. their economy was dependent on the export of their natural resource of natural gas, they were not about to jeopardize this extremely important conference where these contracts would be signed. And they didn't. They had no need to do so. So far as they were concerned, space was a bit of a sideshow. The export and supply uh, of natural gas into Western Europe was far more important. That's why they didn't blow the whistle.
3: Have we gone to the moon since since then? Because we, we, you know, we've had the space shuttles, we've had all these other missions, we've got, you know, probes crawling around on Mars now. I, I, I'm willing to accept it, Marcus. That maybe perhaps we did not land on the moon in sixty nine. But how about since then?
0: Well, there are indicators, unconfirmed indicators, that we have been on the Moon ever since. This is the secret space program. Yes. Uh, This is the X-37B that we know exists. It's a smaller version of the space shuttle that goes on nine-month missions, or 18-month missions. That's long enough to get to Mars and back. What is this X-37B? NASA ain't telling us. What is the, uh, uh, I guess the, is it the X-22? Uh, there are various other spacecraft which, which do exist. The X-37B, by the way, it certainly does exist. And it has been on extremely long missions. But nobody knows what those missions are or where it's been to. It's possible that somebody has been to the moon. But if so, why are NASA spending so much time and effort putting together the Orion capsule, which is the, uh, which was, first flown in December 19, 2014 and will next fly the end of next year on EM-1 uh, exploration mission 1 unmanned that's four years after its first mission and another three years to go after that before anybody gets inside it and flies it to the moon so that's the total time it took for Apollo to occur either there is something highly secret going on which we call the, the, the secret space program. And this business with radiation has been solved, and was solved years ago. And there is a, there are fleets of craft out in space. Maybe even Mars has been uh, reached by humans. I think it's highly unlikely, because I don't think humans can survive the journey. The radiation and the isolation, the weightlessness, the human frame, human body is not designed for weightless environment
3: Oh well Um, well, they they do come back physically altered they do
0: yes and quite a lot of the damage is to do with the eyes and the the bones as well and the bones, you get bone loss, severe bone loss which is why when you see um, even astronauts coming back from the International Space Station they can't stand up when they land, they have to be carried and put into chairs And that's only after six months in space. So I think it's highly unlikely, (coughs) A, that anybody has ever reached, any humans have ever reached Mars, except in fiction. And B, it's extremely unlikely they ever will, unless they do do a major development, of which we're not aware at the moment is occurring. As to whether they landed on the Moon since then, I have seen no evidence to indicate that they have. Again, they would need to be able to overcome the dangers of radiation. Because humans are extraordinarily innovative creatures, but they're also very delicate. We're, We're designed to live here on planet Earth, under gravity and without radiation. You go to the moon, you take away gravity and you increase radiation. And as for the heat, there's so much of that, you've got to remove that as well. I, ha- I haven't seen any information or any evidence that we have the ability to travel to the moon even today. We certainly didn't have it in 1969.
3: What do you think the reasoning is behind them faking the the, the actual moon landing? Is, was it to do with the Vietnam War? I, I've heard that story.
0: That, that's part of it, yes. <clears throat> it was a distraction. Um, don't forget the My massacre in uh, the summer of 1968 in Vietnam. Uh, was it uh, Lieutenant Calley? Was um, basically there was a hell. Of, there was a real unpleasant massacre of 500 civilians at a, a small hamlet called My in Vietnam. Vietnam was getting extremely unpleasant. Uh, Americans were dying in the hundreds every day. It was it was on television. People were becoming extremely angry about the whole Vietnam War. Um, we saw the, the protests, the protests we've had recently about uh, some of the immigration problems, nothing to what was going on with the Vietnam War. Those were real heavy-duty protests. There was that going on. There was the economic problems that were occurring at the time. There was the Cold War with the Russians. It was necessary to introduce some form of distraction if you like, a Disneyfication. I'm not saying Disney had anything to do with it, but he was the most likely character to have, to have assisted NASA in their uh, fantasy, which is yes. basically what the moon landings were. They were a uh, fantasy.
3: Future land.
0: Yes, because um, by being able to say, look, we've, in, in 1968, December 1968, we had Apollo 10. That, that orbited the moon. We're told, and they recited from the Book of Genesis, and it was all wonderful and exciting. And, and then we had um, Apollo 11 in July 1969, and things could be distracted. They were, they were, they were heroes. They were popular heroes. These people. They appeared on the cover of magazines. They were, they were revered. Uh, even today, Buzz Aldrin is revered. <coughs> you know, nobody will ever challenge him. Nobody ever questions him.
3: Oh, no, he'll punch punch you out if you
0: do. Well, only if I'm rude to him, and I'm not going to be rude. I'm I'm not going to do what Bart Sibrell did and call him a coward and a liar, which is why he got punched. And to be be fair to Bart, he has agreed that he went went much too far, and he has apologized to uh, Buzz Aldrin as a result. And I I think there is a degree of truce between them.
3: I would Uh, consider it an, an honor if Buzz punched me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yes, maybe I, I, think, I think he shared something why, why wouldn't he swear on the Bible that he walked on the lunar surface that's all he was being asked to do if you had walked on the lunar surface and you were of, of religious persuasion he would say, give me the Bible how many have you got? I'll swear as many as you like <laughs> he, wouldn't de- he wouldn't do it uh, Neil Armstrong wouldn't do it even when he was offered $5,000 for a charity of his choice he wouldn't swear on the Bible he'd walked on the lunar surface why not? One Michael Collins, which, who didn't walk on the lunar surface, he was in the command module on Apollo 11, he went and punched the cameraman when he was filmed. A few of the astronauts have sworn on the famous Bible that was offered to them, but the, the, the general approach of astronauts is of people who are under extreme psychological pressure. And I have a great deal of sympathy for them. They, all the astronauts were military men, Every single one of them, including Armstrong, who was a very, very good pilot. He served in in the Korean War. He had 55 kills to his name, so he's pretty accurate. They were military men. They will honor their commander-in-chief, who's the president, as you know. When the commander-in-chief says jump, they only have one question. How high, sir? They will go to their graves, as as Armstrong has already done. By the way, Armstrong was buried at sea off the coast of Florida in in 2012. And they will go to their graves with whatever their conscience dictates they should take with them. They will not break ranks. There will be no deathbed confession. It's down to people like me and you and a few others, an increasing number of others, who are questioning this whole Apollo scenario and are saying it doesn't appear that it happened the way we were told why have we been lied to surely our government would not lie to us would they surely NASA will tell us the truth NASA never a straight answer
3: but, but that brings to one other question then from, from a lot of people they'll go well there has to be hundreds of people involved in this conspiracy that would know about it and why wouldn't it come out or what, how do they keep it contained?
0: Again, that's, that's a, a very good point and it's one that again is, is brought up many times if I, if I make a presentation about this. 400,000 people worked for Apollo or worked on the Apollo program during the 1960s at the height of the program. Now uh, these were people who were employed by the many contracting companies such as uh, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Truman, um We mentioned one, Hamilton Standard. The many, many companies. They were doing the very best job they could. They were. They had bought into President John Kennedy's amazing speech. We will land a man on the moon before the decade is out and return him safety to the earth. When Kennedy made that in May 1961, no American except Alan Shepard had even been into space and Alan Shepard had only gone up and come down again. Nobody knew if they could do it. This was this was what's called a presidential challenge. We all know what happened to John Kennedy. He was killed two so two and a half years later. And it became incumbent upon uh, American industry to rally round to fulfill their martyred president's challenge. They were doing they were building the best rockets they could. All the people at Huntsville were building the very best rocket they could. They were under the direction of Bernard von Braun, who was mm-hmm. an acknowledged genius in the subject of uh, rocket construction. Yep.
3: They project. were doing. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just commenting. Project Paperclip.
0: Should we? Should we not go there today?
3: <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs>
0: today. <laughs> project Paperclip: the importation from Europe of uh, known Nazis. The paperclip being the piece of paper that was paper clipped to their application saying that they weren't such bad Nazis after all. We want them here because they know about rocketry. Yes, paperclip. So they would. these 400,000 people, by the way, included the security staff, the gardeners, the cleaners, the doorkeepers, the cafeteria workers, all the people who are employed in any large major corporation to keep it running. Obviously, there were scientists, there were engineers, there were technologists, there were people who were hands-on with making rockets, making landers, making control centers down in Houston, making spacesuits up in Connecticut. These were people who were doing the very best job they could. They had no need to know what... I Are you seriously saying that the people at Boeing knew what the people in Connecticut were doing with the spacesuits? No, of course not. Were the people in, at, in California, at Lockheed, knowing, did they know what the people in, in Huntsville were doing? No, they didn't. It a few, hundred thousand, a few hundred miles apart anyway. They were doing the best job they could. This was also a matter of national security. And when national security is involved in America, I understand that one of the things that is introduced is compartmentalization. You know enough to do your own job and no more, because you don't need to know. So the 400,000 people who were doing the very best job they could had no need to know about anything other than what they were doing. Maybe 30, 40, maybe 50 tops people would have had a knowledge that not everything was as as good as we were being told. Maybe these, obviously the astronauts were involved. The senior uh, staff at NASA would have been involved at some point probably before the fire in apollo 1 in january 1967 before that it was becoming obvious that getting to the moon was actually a very seriously difficult problem and was highly unlikely to be achieved within the next three years so plan b was put into effect plan b was the re- the creation of the fantasy of landing on the moon by filming all the training and simulation exercises because if nobody else, if nobody's been to the moon, who'll know the difference? and if the people involved, the film crews who were filming it were NASA employees they only needed to know that they were photographing the training exercises so the astronauts could be debriefed so you don't put your foot there, you'll fall over do a little bit more there, that's better That's all the debrief would would be. They had no need to know that the film would be used for any other purpose. The photographic film that was used to produce the photographs, copies of which I bought over 20 years ago, and many of which are now on the internet and can be examined quite closely, if you want to, in high definition, the originals of those photographs, which are transparencies, are held in in air-conditioned and controlled vaults at Houston. And nobody has ever seen them since they were put there. Despite what apologists for NASA will say. They're they're called PANS, by the way. Pro-Apollo nutters. Who will support NASA in spite of any evidence to the contrary. Nobody has seen these original photographs. And as for the telemetry on Apollo 11. That's all gone completely. Completely disappeared. Nobody knows where it is. Why not? This is one of the seminal events in American history, and the evidence for it
3: has vanished. What do you foresee for private industry because we have Virgin Mobile that is launching you know orbital spacecraft in uh, what about private industry? That, that's
0: more likely where we'll see the, the next major development. We, we have SpaceX and we have Blue Origin and uh, we have Virgin. But at the moment, they're only going into low Earth orbit. None of them are even talking about going much further. I know that Elon Musk says he wants to go to Mars. But that's uh, a brilliant way of promoting his company. Because nobody's actually asked him how he's going to get there. Getting into low Earth orbit really isn't a problem. Because, and coming back from low Earth orbit really isn't a problem. It's coming back from the Moon that is the real problem. It's called re-entry and you re-enter the Earth's atmosphere at the same speed that you leave. In other words, 25,000 miles an hour. The Orion craft, which was launched in December 2014, had a heat shield that almost failed, and it wasn't even coming back at the same speed from space as it would have if it was coming back from the Moon. The the heat shield has had to be completely redesigned and re-engineered. Because it, was, it didn't work. Why didn't they just say, well, what do we use on Apollo? we we'll use that. Wouldn't that be the simple answer? Uh, uh, in fact, one interesting point about the connection with the Space Shuttle. If you, looked, if you look at the Orion capsule that was built and launched and uh, returned to Earth in December 2014, the whole of the structure of the Orion capsule is covered in the Space Shuttle heat shield tiles as well as the heat shield on the, uh, on the lower end and the wide end carries the heat shield. Why was it necessary to put a space shuttle heat shield tiles all over the Orion capsule? That's not what they did on Apollo. Apollo was an aluminium craft with a heat shield on its base that appeared, that we're told, returned from uh, lunar orbit or lunar landing, and it landed, and you can go and see the uh, Apollo command modules today in museums, because the, the, the plasma gas that is generated by the heat shield reaches a temperature of 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is far in excess of the melting point of aluminium, of which the craft is built. It would have melted the damn thing This is why I say that the heat shield on the Apollo craft did not do what we're told it did. It did not protect the craft. They were chucked out of the back of aircraft. Ah. That's been photographed. Yes. The whole thing is a fabrication, and we're now seeing the problem of that fabrication in endeavoring to create the Orion craft to replicate the Apollo missions to the moon of nearly 50 years ago, and they can't do it. It's like Charles Lindbergh flying the Atlantic in 1927 and nobody doing it for another 50 years. That's not the way it happens.
3: How can somebody get in touch with you and maybe discuss this further or even, as I plan to do, subscribe to Nexus Magazine? Well, go onto our website. That's nexusmagazine.com.
0: You'll find methods of subscription on there. Uh, the American edition uh, will be sent to you um, if you want to contact me and challenge me on anything I've said I'd be delighted to hear from you anybody who is interested again go on to the nexusmagazine.com website and there's a contact facility, you just put a, a, a subject matter in there uh, rebroadcast um, or re-moon landings and that will reach me and I will reply to you anybody who contacts me on the subject I'm very interested to hear from except if you're going to be rude and un- unnecessary and unpleasant then I will just delete you right <laughs> Let,
3: <a> de- <laughs> let's treat this with a little bit of dignity right exactly
0: I'm sure that your listeners are as intrigued by this subject as I am especially the residents and the uh, good good citizens of Huntsville who are probably more familiar with the subject than many people would be because they have hands-on experience of it. I would very much like to hear from you. If you think that what I say is correct, if you think what I have to say is incorrect, if you can provide information. When I've done um, broadcasts on stations in the past, I have had some very interesting correspondence with people who've worked on Apollo
3: Yes, well, just wait so my elders at my synagogue uh, take a listen to this, because many of them worked on the space program. <laughs> well, uh,
0: uh, what I, I say just in closing is, I'm not saying that you didn't do the work you claim to have done. If you worked on Apollo, yes, you worked on Apollo, and you did the very best job you could. What I'm challenging is what NASA tells us occurred on the lunar surface.
3: Sure. That's
0: what I'd like to hear about